0: Oh Scummy, why are you an asshole? I think I might have said this like once or twice before, I don't know. i and I'm
1: just shit
0: fighting for. Give us a gun and send us a law Send us to the moon.
2: Episode of I'm No Joe, your home for all things combat sports and the place where every armchair quarterback can feel like a thin The views and opinions presented on the I'm No Joe channel belong solely to the person expressing them, no one else. If we say it, then we meant it. That being said, this show does contain adult themes, adult content, and general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned. If it's Thursday, it's I'm No Joe. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages, to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like Eddie Bravo. Today, as like most days, we've got a glorious panel here with me to break down and get into all these shit talking and shenanigans that have come down the pipe, the fight announcements, and the fuckery that is shaking loose since we saw you, wonderful folks, last. Oh my goodness, has a one-week break not felt longer in a while? It has been literally just a week since we had a UFC card, but man, did it feel like a month-long break. That was pandemic time stretching out there, but before we get into all the craziness that we've got in store for this week, first and foremost, gentlemen, how the fuck are you doing this fine evening?
0: I'm fucking gassed, but I'm glad we're back, and you're right, that did feel like a way longer than a week. I don't know if it had something to do with the whole fucking Memorial Day being in there and next right. long weekend. God only knows, but man, it did feel more than a week. Which I'm not gonna complain about because don't get me wrong,
2: I love doing this, but I love having breaks too. Right. Every once in a while it's nice.
1: Yeah, I'm a little wiped work, but I'm really fucking glad to be back. It's been longer for me. It's been a couple weeks. I yeah. missed the last fight weekend and shit, and then we had the week off, so I'm glad to be back with you boys. I'm glad we get some fights, even if they ain't the fucking greatest. At least we get to talk about something I'm fucking here. So.
2: Right, yeah, absolutely. That's, we are talking about it before the show. I had a friend ask me earlier this afternoon, so are there good fights lined up this weekend? And I said, there's fights this weekend. And he said, are there good fights this weekend? And I said, there's fights this weekend. So we'll we'll get into a little more of that detail here in just a little bit. Uh, first and foremost though as we like to do around here to start things off a little bit of news and recent events fight announcements and shit that has shaken down the news pipeline since we saw you wonderful folks last Um, again we are not doing a recap show this season but if there is interesting things generally speaking we try and live tweet them out or or not live tweet but uh, YouTube short rather shoot it out live, live reaction to how it goes instead of having to take up all your time. Just give you a little sweet in-the-moment feeling, uh, one that we did not get a chance to do this weekend, or this past weekend, though, rather. Uh, I want to talk about just real quick because it affects, in my opinion at least, the overall combat sports world at large. And that was the Haney versus Lomachenko fight, one of the few boxing events in recent years The vast majority of casuals have even been aware of, but most of us have that, you know, still somewhat pay attention to boxing actually cared about. And for a couple of reasons, but one of the most important for me, at least, was because Vasily Lomachenko being one of the greatest fucking boxers alive right now, in my opinion, did something that boxers rarely do anymore. And he decided to risk it all and go up a fucking weight class and challenge the champion for the 155 pound belt. Boxing doesn't do that very much. When you find your weight class, you ride that weight class organization to organization, belt to belt, bounce wherever you need to do. But when you find your sweet spot in boxing, traditionally speaking, you fucking stay there. Now, there have been a few who have moved weight classes just to get the belts or to get the accolades. Not many traditionally will vary in boxing and weight, because like I said, when you find your spot, you stay there. Lomachenko said, fuck that. I want to be the fucking greatest. And in order to do that, you got to fucking risk it. So he did. He went up a fucking weight class and he went after Haney's belt. Haney being probably one of the best 55ers we have seen in boxing, at least in the last 15 fucking years, in my opinion. And Lomachenko put his fucking neck on the line, stepped up to the plate and went after it. He took Haney to a very grueling, hard fought decision. And I don't agree with the fucking scores. I think it was a lot closer than what the judges gave him, but I can see how they got to where they got that being said. Lomachenko went up a weight class and took the champion in his first fight at that weight class to a critical, crucial decision loss and has basically been fucking lambasted across boxing media for being a failure. One of the greatest hundred and forty five pound boxers in fucking memory, period. Look at his goddamn resume. I'm not talking out my ass. His fucking resume speaks for itself, goes up a weight class, takes on the champion, takes him to a fucking close decision. And these cunts have the balls to call this guy a failure for that. Not only do I not think he was a failure, in my opinion, Loma won that fight. The fact that he had Haney so fucked up so many times in that fight, more so in my opinion than Haney had rocked him, that alone should be enough to garner some fucking respect from his peers and from the fucking journalists who actually should have been watching that fight, which most of them seemingly weren't. But the fact that they are trying to say now that Haney is the greatest ever because he's defended it against up-and-comers from other weight classes, and now somehow Lomachenko is a failure because he lost in his first attempt in a new weight class by taking the champion to a close decision? Blows my fucking mind. Hats off to fucking Vasily Lomachenko for taking the fucking shot. It was a spectacular fight. If you haven't seen it, I absolutely encourage anybody to go back and watch it. Boxing's two-minute rounds. It ain't that bad. But the fact that they are calling this A failure when Vasily Lomachenko did goddamn work against a dude 10 pounds fucking or 9 pounds heavier than him or whatever in his first time at that weight class is just fucking ridiculous. So first and foremost, I want to give Vasily Lomachenko big fucking credit for doing what he did. And shame on you boxing fucking journalists for trying to shit on a dude who looks spectacular in something most other fighters in that sport will never have the balls to even consider doing. That being said, Haney's going to be a big problem for a lot of fucking people in his weight class or trying to come up or down to it. Like, Haney has a serious future in this fucking sport. As long as he keeps his ego in check, which it seems like he doesn't have much of an issue doing, I think Haney's going to be a big fucking problem at 55. That young man is going to have a a hard time being dethroned, in my opinion. That being said, back into the world of MMA, um, we did have two interesting unconventional uh, announcements, I guess we could call them, that came through over the course of the last two weeks since we've seen you folks. Excuse me. First and foremost, um, we talked about it a little bit initially when she made her debut, but she went back out and was back at it again this weekend. Uh, NBA star Grant Hill's daughter, Maya Hill, Made her second professional MMA outing this past weekend and maintained her undefeated status, winning by a very, very nicely placed fucking choke. So it seems that she has no interest in basketball, but lots of interest in MMA and has a lot of potential from what she's showing so far. Um, Going to be very interesting to see how far she can go since she is 100% resting on her ability and not her family name, which is always nice to see in my opinion but the other kind of interesting one we had this weekend was i guess you could say a bit of a late bloomer we had a debut of a gentleman who had been rumored for quite some time to be making his professional debut uh has several amateur fights on his record several of them are very notable if you want to do some googling after the show um but The youngest brother of Fedor Emelianenko made his professional MMA debut at 36 years old this past week with the results that you would exactly expect from an Emelianenko stepping into the cage, regardless of age or opponents, quote unquote, accolades, I say with air quotes for those listening, um, it was an interesting match to watch, Uh, kind of exactly what you'd expect if you have been following the Emilian Inko family at all throughout the course of MMA. It, it's it, almost exactly what you would think it was going to be, but it is officially a thing. Now Fedor has officially stepped out, so now both of his younger brothers are now officially competing in as professionals. So it's going to be interesting to see how both of their careers start to move forward now that Fedor has officially hung it up um coming in a little bit closer towards this weekend's news we've got here um i i've got to say just bad luck abound we talked a little bit about this pre-show as well um Originally scheduled for this weekend was a match that a lot of people, including myself, were very, very interested to see how it played out in Ludovic Klein versus Jim fucking Miller scheduled to be a great fucking matchup stylistically. I think it was going to be fun. Uh, I think Jim Miller was going to fucking walk all over him, but I think it was going to be a fun way to get there. Then we found out a little bit ago that Ludovic Klein, unfortunately, was not going to be able to make it. So Jared Gordon had stepped up and we were originally going to be getting or excuse me, we were then subsequently going to be getting Jared Gordon versus Jim Miller on this weekend's card. Not the fight that most of us wanted, but still, interestingly enough, again, I still think Jim Miller was going to dog walk Jared fucking Gordon and make it look real fucking easy. But, you know, still would have been an interesting match to watch. And then we get word yesterday, there had been rumors, but they were, excuse me, they were officially confirmed yesterday. And we now know that Jared Gordon is no longer scheduled to fight this weekend. And now in his place, we have a young man stepping in, Jesse Butcher, Butler, excuse me can't read my own fucking handwriting jesse butler i apologize uh stepping in on two days notice to make his ufc debut against jim fucking miller historically speaking this is an absolutely horrible idea i understand you get that call for short notice fight to make your debut sometimes if you're a young guy you want to say yes and jump in there and get that fight but if you look back at the guys who have made their debuts against jim miller on short notice a la nicholas mota a la several other gentlemen it traditionally speaking goes absolutely horrible. I don't think any of them that have done this, and I think he's at four or five now. I don't think any of them have made it past the second round. I think pretty much all of them have either ended in the first or early into the second round, which is kind of exactly where I expect this one to go. And I know absolutely nothing about Jesse Butler and I have no hard feelings towards him or no ill will whatsoever. I just know that Jim Miller has been grinding his ass off, getting ready for this fight, regardless of who stepped in across from him. I follow Jim on social media. So I've been seeing all the work that he's been putting in and he's fucking ready to come in and drop some hammers. And I just kind of feel bad for Jesse Butler. I I wish him the best of luck. I hope he makes it an interesting fight, but I just don't see it going well for him. But yeah, and sometimes they don't give those short notice guys much options. And it seems like this is one of those things where they called Jesse Butler yesterday and they're like, yo, if you want to get in the UFC, you have to do it Saturday and you have to do it against the fucking Warthog. The A-10 is going to be on the opposite side of the cage you. You want your contract or not? And he said, yeah, sign me up. So we got to fight on Saturday. I'll give him credit. The kids got brass wounds for stepping in, knowing who he's up against on short notice. So, a for fucking effort, but we'll see how that actually shakes loose once we get to this weekend. That being said, a couple of interesting fight announcements coming up here. The first one, real quick. Um, July 22nd, when the UFC goes back across the pond for another London Fight Night card, we have got one, in my opinion, one of the most interesting matchups they might have been able to add to that card without realizing it was even an option. We have recently got confirmed pen to paper contracts are inked Andre Muniz versus Paul Krieg making his middleweight debut that's right the scotsman the bear jew is going down to 185 and taking his jiu-jitsu directly against one of the most dangerous up-and-coming jiu-jitsu practitioners at 185 pounds ask jacare or several other folks who he has fucking wrapped up um that is just a great fucking stylistic matchup, in my opinion. I'm a little nervous because we have not seen Paul Craig make light or excuse me, uh make middleweight before, and he's not a light heavyweight that has a lot of fat to spare to begin with. He's a fairly lean fellow. So for him to chop 20 pounds off of that already pretty lean frame.
0: I want to know where he's hope- finding this 20 pounds to get
2: rid of. That's what I'm wondering. Like, does he have fat ankles that we weren't paying attention to, or something? Because that's a lot of weight for um, a dude who was already pretty cut. I'll I'll go out on a limb here and say I have yet to see cankles on him. I I I don't remember him, but you know, I I smoke some cannabis, so there's potential for my memory to be impaired. I guess I could have been misremembering. He could have cankles and I just don't remember it, but. I don't know where 20 pounds is coming off of that fucking frame, man. I I hope he's got a good nutritionist and I hope everything is is fucking put together properly. Oh my goodness. But we will see. Uh, Obviously, I wish the Bear you the best of luck. Muniz is no slouch. The camera's freaking out. What the hell's going on here? I went off Bigfoot mode there for a minute. Um, uh, anyways, uh, coming up after that, the following week, July 30th, live from the Saitama Super Arena in Saitama, Japan, Bellator versus Ryzen 2 is officially going down. There are several very interesting matchups taking place on that card, but the one that I think might be the most interest i'm not even gonna i'll I'll save it because it hasn't even officially been confirmed uh i'll say this the first bellator versus ryzen event was very interesting that this one looks to be b- way more way more the one thing that i will say that they have confirmed that will be taking place on this bellator versus ryzen card will be the debut of bellator's new Men's flyweight division champion, which kind of feels a day late and a dollar short considering that they had already previously matched up Kyoji Horiguchi against Ray Borg when Ray Borg had issues making weight and they didn't make that any part of the big flyweight announcement. They were just going to make it as a flyweight fight and let it slide under the radar, so feels a little weird that they're doing it this way now, but I get it. The majority of the flyweights, at least in Bellator's fucking potential new 125-pound division, are going to be from Asia, and it will be a shorter trip for most of them to make it over to Japan than it will be for them to come to, say, California or New Jersey. So uh, I get it, but it just it feels a little bit weird. So we'll talk a little bit more on that as we get a little bit closer to it and as they confirm uh, some more of the fights on that card, though. Uh, moving a little bit further back in the summer though we've got some pretty interesting announcements here the first one uh if you guys did not catch glory 88 or excuse me glory 84 i think it was this past weekend live and free on youtube the the whole event is still out there for you to go back watch the replays there were some fucking spectacular kickboxing matches on that fucking card this last weekend so um we've got an announcement concerning glory 88 hence the Slip of the tongue there, uh, which will be September 9th, live from Paris, France. It will officially be headlined by the out of retirement now, Badr Hari. Uh, Badr Hari, known for tons of accolades, but most recently for losing a very crazy fucking match against ex UFC fighter Alistair Overeem, who had returned to Uber Reem status. Quite literally, and after the match, the victory was overturned because the Ream popped hot for the Roids, hence the Uber Ream status. Well, after that loss, Badr Hari said that he was going to hang him up, that that was the last one that he really was concerned about, and if he couldn't beat Overream, then he didn't need to go back and chase any of his other ones. Well... When it turned out that Overeem was on the Ovaroids, he decided, you know what, well, fuck that, I'm coming back. That loss is officially off my record, so technically speaking, my last fight was a win. I'm going to come back and try and put a remembering, or excuse me, a memorable win for people to fucking send my uh, career off into the fucking foyer with. Botter Hart is officially coming back to headline Glory 88 September 9th against James McSweeney, who has now officially given up MMA for kickboxing after making stents in... UFC, Bellator, 1FC, and I believe he even had a little time with PFL as well as LFA and several other notable organizations. James McSweeney has made the rounds as a very competent MMA fighter, but at this point decided he's just going to stick with kickboxing, kind of the opposite way of most people's journey. But, hey, fucking get it. When it comes to big men, I understand that. There's a lot less worry in having a kick come at you than having a 265-pound man try and tack you to the fucking canvas. I get it. Uh, but Badr Hari versus James McSweeney headline, Paris, France, glory 88, September 9th. I am very fucking excited for that matchup. Um, two weeks after that, bellator returns to dublin ireland september 23rd and they have added another very interesting matchup to that already seemingly interesting card in the form of aaron pico on a fucking hell of a resurgence lately coming in against pedro carvalho who is still not out of it but on a definite downslope career-wise, as far as I can tell. Uh, Still always very fucking capable in that Cody Garbrand-esque, always carries that big fucking power, but also in that Cardi Garbrand-esque fashion, uh, has a bit of a weak spot when it comes to right here. Uh, So we will see how that one plays out. If Eric Pico can lay Carvalho out in Dublin in spectacular fashion, that could absolutely skyrocket him right back up into title contention again, in my opinion. That being said, uh, we got an interesting pair of announcements confirmed over the last couple days to wrap the news out here. Uh, The first one, we had talked about it on the last show. Well, it gets a little bit worse, as it turns out here. We got confirmation this week That officially Rob Wilkinson, the 2022 PFL lightweight chair, excuse me, light heavyweight champion million dollar winner belt holder has officially tested positive for banned substances, making him the 10th fighter in the PFL in less than two weeks to be caught. Positive for banned substances and completely removed from the rest of the twenty twenty three season and subsequently the playoffs and the running for the million dollars and the belt again this year. You know, with how many they have
0: testing positive right now. I wonder how long it is before we see um Francis and Gano test positive too.
2: <laughs> well and I'm I'm starting to wonder here, this is one of those things like That's not like I get that once is an accident twice can still be chaos three and more. You're looking at a trend when you get to 10, 10 fighters from different weight classes, from different parts of the world, from different camps, from different countries, all under your organization, all popping hot within a span of two weeks. Now you have to seriously start to consider and start to openly question, is this something that's happening in-house? Is this something that's where we used to see it a lot back in the old WWE days in the 80s where – everybody's working out at one gym right before the show. And there just happens to be one guy wink, wink who comes around and hangs out in the locker room that sees everybody as they come through wink, wink and make sure that everybody is wink, wink feeling their best. Like it, it's starting to look like that it might be a real possibility when you've got a dozen people from literal different corners of the globe, different camps, weight classes, everything to that degree, all testing positive within a short period of time you've got to look for that common denominator and in this case they've all been at the pfl that's the only place that i can see where all of those different people have been together to have possibly had a scenario where they all could have pissed hot it's a weird scenario especially coming off such fucking huge news as the the francis and gano signing like man that's not a good fucking look to say the least But, much as folks might not want to play that card, this is not a problem exclusive to PFL because the other half of this news that we got this week was, I say in air quotes, huge prospect to the UFC, former Contender Series, former LFA champion, former Chuto Brazil standout, Jose Henrique, yet to actually make his UFC debut has officially been suspended until March 2025 for pissing hot and an out-of-competition sample for two different substances. So this is not a problem that exclusively is affecting the PFL, even the new potential stars that the UFC is banking all their fucking weight on. Coming in hot before he even got a chance to make his debut. They caught him out of competition using two different fucking substances. So, unfortunately, this is not something that only uh, the PFL has to concern themselves with. It seems like UFC still has a bit of housekeeping they need to do as well. That being said... Unfortunately, uh, this week, as like most weeks, I end my news segment by reminding everyone that we have unfortunately now made it two weeks since I saw you folks last. And again, Dana White has yet to have to face any real world consequences for openly slapping his wife down in Mexico over New Year's Eve. And contrary to what Dana might try to reconvince you, having to live with the knowledge that happened is not adequate punishment. Fuck that. Unfortunately, we have to go another week talking about it, but that's the world we currently live in right now. So, that being said, either you gentlemen have anything in the news world that I might have missed this week? Not anything I can think of
0: offhand, other than if you're a fan, you can go and watch the new season of The Ultimate Fighter, because that kicked off this week.
2: Yeah, that that was a thing.
0: Yeah, I didn't say it was anything more than a thing. It is just a thing.
1: I feel the same way. I don't have any other news this week other than uh, I feel the same way about the Ultimate Fighter as the fights this weekend. It is some fights. It was pretty boring, a little bit cringy. Might fall asleep this weekend, but you know, we'll see how
2: it goes. Yeah, I and we talked about this a little bit in the group chat. I I went in with low expectation. I did not watch it live when it debuted Tuesday night. I said fuck that. I watched it uh yesterday afternoon, kind of morning-ish, relaxing with a cup of coffee and a big fat doobie, not a fuck to give, just kinda it is what it is. We'll see how it goes. Low expectations to begin with, and still, literally, half the episode I spent with my forehead in my fucking hand going, What yelling at the fucking TV? Um, yeah, uh, I, I have a, a strong, strong feeling it's going to be uh Brad Katana and Jason Knight. We'll see. Uh, it's 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 a thing, but yeah, n- needless to say, news wasn't as big for his time off as you would have thought. But that being said, it is what it is. Uh, That being said, this would be the point where if you've been watching combat sports as long as as some of us have, you you tend to kind of get set in your ways. You kind of develop what you like, how you like to consume it, where you get your consummation from. Unfortunately, if you do that for as long as some of us have, you inevitably develop a set of blinders that kind of tune you out to the new, the up and coming until it's already a big thing. Luckily for us, we have ourselves a bona fide young person to help us keep in touch with all of the new up and coming hot hotness to keep us from being those foggy old fuckers and near excuse me, learn about the new new while it's still new, new in a segment that we like to call. Slows, Cans, and Contenders.
1: So this week I actually get to talk about the Ultimate Fighter for a second. Season 31 kicked off, and it seems like we're in for some shit. Pretty much the same pile of shit they've been giving us for too far too too fucking long. I like the idea of the prospects versus the vets. But everything else, it's just a half-assed reality TV show. And uh, the disappointment, the vets, the only one that I recognized was Brad Katana. Everybody else, I was kind of like, "Ah, oh, who the fuck is this? So I, I figured they're all just cans that made it to the USC at some point and had an opportunity and kind of blew it. Because I literally didn't know any of them. So I'm not looking forward to it. The banner between Chandler and McGregor is kind of cringy and boring as well. So it's just all, all over a half-assed product. We'll see if uh, the second week of the Ultimate Fighter is any better. But the biggest thing that was disgusting was the nine-second stoppage. To, to the knockdown, you know, a little shit hook that just grazes the head, knocks the guy down, uh, and, and, well, let's stop at nine seconds. guy falls over, the fight's over. They don't even do that in boxing. <clears throat> so, for my cans and contenders this week, well, we're throwing the ultimate fighter in the cans category. <laughs> yeah. And then as for this weekend's card, we're throwing Dontale Mays in the can category. You know, losing to Augusto Sakai in his last fight. And, you know, Andre Orlovsky, he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer, right? You know, But he's not Andre Orlovsky of old anymore. He's kind of old. So to lose to Arlovsky at this point, and to have multiple losses in a row against, you know, questionable opponents doesn't look good on a guy that's a nine and five record at heavyweight so we're throwing him in the can category and then i've got an entire fight going in the can category elise reed versus jennyu frey i think both of these ladies don't have a lot of talent, aren't very interesting or exciting fighters, and it's not going to be a very good fight overall. So we're just throwing it in the can overall. And then uh, Damone Blackshear has potential to land himself as a can. He, I mean, he's fighting for his job here this weekend. You know, Drew gets Yusuf Salal on his debut in the UFC, then lost his last fight. Still looking for that first win. If he doesn't get it this weekend, then you know they're probably shipping him out. So, throw them in the potential game. And then I've got two fights you know, overall that I'm putting in the contenders. Because so I think all four fighters have potential to be contenders. And we'll see which one makes it out on, you know, either side. So, the first one is Karine Silver versus Katlin Souza. I think both of these ladies have potential to be contenders. Ketlin Souza, 13 and 3, and uh, 8 knockouts in her career, has some hands for a flyweight lady. And then you got Kareem Silva with 9 knockouts. Again, another flyweight lady with some serious fucking hands. So we could see an all out war in this fight. It'd be exciting as hell. Whichever one comes out on top is damn sure going to be a contender, but both of them have that potential. So we're putting the fight on there as a whole. And then the main event. Both guys are, you know, serious contenders. If they win the fight, but even a loser, in my opinion, still has potential to someday be a contender. Both guys are pretty young. Kai Kai France just turned thirty years old. Amir Albazi's is twenty nine. Alba is sixteen and one. The sixteen of those wins, fourteen of them came by finish. So this fight's gonna be exciting as hell. You got. Kaikar France, 11 wins by knockout TKO. (laughs) So we're putting these two fights in the contenders category this weekend instead of singular contenders. That was hard to come by, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I got, we'll pass it off to you gentlemen if you have any cans or contenders for this weekend's card.
0: You blew the fucking uh, cans right out of the fucking water there. I think you nailed damn near everyone I would have even thought to talk about on there. Top of my list, though, was fucking Elise Reed. She'd been nothing more than fucking cannon fodder for the strawweight Division, for whatever woman they're trying to pump up. Yeah. she got, she pulled the rabbit out of the fucking hat one time. Other than that, fucking trash. So, and Jenny Free. Sorry, sweetheart. Uh, looks don't make you win fights here. That's not how that works. I like the that, frame. that. That
2: fight's horrible.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, if that was a fucking case, Karate Hottie would have had a fucking title a long time ago. <laughs> but, yeah. The, yeah, Forrest Gaines. I, I I fucking hate to do it, but I got to do it again. Andre Arlovsky goes in the cans category. I fucking love him. Absolute legend of a fucking fighter, but... They keep feeding him the trash, to polish his can. (laughs) That's really all they're doing. So, but yeah, struggling with it. (laughs) Nobody said he wasn't struggling to polish the cans.
1: (laughs) Right, (laughs) Uh,
0: grabbing the fucking goddamn the liquid abrasives when he should be using sandpaper. But you know, whatever works. You boo boo. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Then, as far as contenders concerned. I think you'd be remiss to not talk about fucking Jim Miller. You have to put him in there. Yes, he's got fucked down to a nobody now, but that's not his fault. It can't help it when shit falls through. But he can always count on A10 to be there. Fucking Warthog for a reason. And um, also, due to recent changes in his, um, I'll say, performances... You gotta put Bruce Leroy back in there as a contender again, because he's shown some some nice flashes as of late. Notice the older he's gotten, I think that fight IQ has gone up a lot, and that's caused a lot more excitement out of him. So I gotta put Alex Caceres back in that fucking contender spot again.
1: Like those yeah. fucking names. I like those
2: names. What about you, Leroy? So, I... I definitely agree with a lot of what both you gentlemen have said. Um that whole fucking ultimate fighter, man, that just fucking throw it away. Just throw it away. There have been so many great suggestions on how they could have fixed that, and they literally didn't change a fucking thing for this season. So yeah, no, that's that's absolute shit. Uh you can always count on the fucking warthog to make the fight interesting, even though, like they said, they, you know, thrown him again, another fucking literal debuting fighter. Jim has no control of that. What you can count on is that Jim's going to show up ready to kick ass and take aims, no matter who the fuck they put across from him. So I'm always stoked to see that. Arlovsky is beyond a fucking can at this point. But I think for my two official picks here for this week, uh, might be a little surprising to a lot of folks at least who have been following the shit that comes out of my mouth for a while now um for my can for this week i'm going and i might be the only one who thinks this victor altamirano i like victor altamirano but this is another one of those scenarios where situation dictates value and if victor altamirano were against 99 of the roster I would be hundred percent in his corner, ready to stamp that fucking money ticket until you push your chips in. Unfortunately for Victor though, this week he has to stand across from Kansas city's own awkward MMA, Tim fucking Elliot with plenty of fuel in his fucking belly to push that train over the finish line. In my opinion, and if literal past performances last week are anything to dictate that type of fuel that Tim has, that I'm not going to go into detail for respect to privacy should be more than enough to push him fluidly over the finish line as it did for someone last week in that same situation. Uh, Go fucking Tim Elliott any day of the fucking week. Other than the situation, I would say the same thing about Victor Altamirano, unfortunately for him. He's stuck between a rock and an awkward place this week, so he gets my can pick for this week because of the the jam that he found himself in. In fancy pajamas. Hey, hey, you know what? I've seen worse pajamas get bigger dudes ass kicked, so. (laughs) 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 Props to fucking Tim. Always happy to get in that motherfucker's corner when he's got the right fucking matchup like he does here. I think he's got potential for a fucking great weekend. Now, the other one I've got here, I'm fairly certain I am the only one who is going to call this one here. My contender for this week is Elisio Dos Santos. And again, this one, 100% contextual because this is kind of the opposite of that Altamirano situation, whereas 99% of the roster against him, I would say he's going to get it can dented in. But this week he happens to be coming up against the single least credential of the Nurmagomedov clan, Abu Bakar, who is known more for his reckless driving than he is for his MMA. And if you've seen any of the social media from those boys, it's not a rumor; it, it's correct. So I have very little doubt that Dos Santos, who we have seen be very capable in ordinary situations can do just that against Abu who has essentially good Sambo and not much else very very rudimentary striking very rudimentary defense traditional Nurmagomedov style grappling and wrestling but that's about it DeSantos might not be a world breaker but he's very well rounded and he's also a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner of a very high level so he will be prepared for some of the shit that the Nurmagomedov style will try and throw at him, but I think that's all Abu has going his way in this situation, and I think Elizo has enough in his pocket to keep himself well-rounded and shut that big fucking moron up. Hopefully, fingers fucking crossed.
1: I fucking like it. Interesting fucking picks indeed. I actually agree with the Altamiriano. I thought about throwing him into Kansas, just he has won a couple times in the UFC, but the, the way that uh, it would look, the ass-beating I feel like he's going to take is the biggest thing, like you said, the situational side of this. Yep. It's going to look a lot worse than just him taking his second loss and there being 2-2 two and two in the UFC. Right. It's going to make him look like he shouldn't be there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Tim's hurt. got that fire. I think it's going to get crazy. <laughs>
1: there, I agree with both of you, brothers. Right, That's a good way to wrap that shit up.
0: There's one other thing I forgot to mention about A10. This makes this one more easy fight for him to get to UFC 300. And for those of you who are counting, we're less than 15 UF actual pay-per-view events away from 300. So in theory... We could see that before the end of next year. Which would mean within the next year, we all get to watch Jim Miller go out on a retirement fight on UFC 300.
2: Not to mention, that- the fact that Jim and Arlovsky are both fighting on this card together means that Jim Miller stays two fights above Arlovsky for most fights in the UFC right now. It means that fucker ain't gaining no ground. had to throw that in there because I heard several MMA journalists talking this week about the fact that Jim Miller's fight was in jeopardy and that would give Arlovsky the chance to bring it within one fight. No, it fucking won't. (laughs) But thank you for that, sir. Much appreciated, as always. Uh, That being said, first and foremost, in most podcasts, this would be the point where you would get A mid-credit roll ad. This is not one of those fucking podcasts. We don't do mid-credit roll ads because we don't fucking worry about bullshit sponsor ads. This podcast is sponsored by Patreon. Patreon.com slash I'm No Joe. For as little as $1, you can help sponsor this podcast and get your name at the end of every episode as a thank you. That being said, this is the point in the podcast where we have to stop for just a moment and give this segment its very own disclaimer. <clears throat> me, me, me. Me, me, me. Papology.com does not in any way, shape, or form endorse, sponsor, or support the I'm No Joe podcast, yet. yet. That being said, Tapology.com does offer the service of a free account that you can go and create and make picks just like we do here on the show For all sorts of combat events they have got a wide array of things that you can pick on and on that site you can create groups to pick fights as a group we have created just such a thing we call the group i'm no bookie one word altogether or group 965 however you need to search it the group is open to the public you are more than welcome to come onto the site and make yourself an account join the group We'll bring you right on in, and then let us know who the hell you are, because we go over all the fun shit that cracks loose in our Tapology group in a little segment we call Tapology with TJ.
0: Welcome to the group, motherfuckers. So, with that being said, if you let us know who you are, we are going to talk shit about you or praise you when you do well. Preferably, we want to see you do bad because, you know, it's fun to talk shit about everybody including myself when i hit the skids because it does fucking happen nobody is safe that's all we're saying now um with that being said we're gonna jump right into it and get down to the brass tacks of things last year um or not last year jesus two weeks ago geez, yeah that fucking week off fucked everything up i told you you this shit
2: went through in pandemic time man it seems like a year already it did it was
0: there was a long fucking two weeks jesus christ since the last event so two weeks ago we had our event which would have been which fucking that was Dern and hill so nothing to write home about Uh, would have been ufc fight night i forget what fucking number but it doesn't matter Because it's over, it's done with. We've made our picks; they're set in stone. The fighters have spoken, and this is where we ended up. Everyone in our group got above the five hundred mark. First time we've done that in a couple weeks, so bravo to everybody in the group. um At least those of us who we know who they are. Some people we don't below that five hundred mark, but fuck them because you know we don't know who the fuck they are. Um. Taken away with last uh, two weeks ago, um, Saturday, May 20th event. Takes the W, Donna. Donna's doing, been doing dishes for the last two weeks because there was no event to redeem himself, to one-up the misses. She got in there with 10 out of 12 correct, Fucking massive numbers here, and I just want to go over these because it's pretty fucking impressive. She called three decisions right. One perfect and two semi-perfect. So out of her ten, she pretty much called those fights pretty goddamn close to perfect. Half of her fights that she got correct. The other ones, she still gets her 50 points for, but fuck, those are some good solid numbers there. Oh, um bottom of our fucking uh cast here was at uh seven correct picks and barely got the bottom. The only thing that saved the guy next closest to the bottom was one pick correct. And to be honest, that didn't really save him that much because it was only a 10 point fucking gap. Unfortunately, Vinny took the cake for tripping over his dick, but not to be outdone by much. Meter got one more pick right, but goddamn near tripped over his dick because he couldn't get any fucking correct fucking perfects or semi-perfects in there. Whereas Vinny was doing fucking work in that category. So, I said, weird shit happens. You don't have to have the most picks right. You just have to have the most perfect picks right. That gets you the most points. You can get five perfect picks, only five
2: correct on an entire card, and get 500 fucking points. I couldn't remember exactly what was. I, kn- I knew I had screenshotted it, so I had to pull it up real quick. Uh, as of last weekend's results, when the event was finally completed, Donna ended up with 655 points total, tied for 346th place overall on the site, with 49 other people. So technically speaking, she was like in the top 100, if you factor out all the fucking crazy people she tied behind. She was in like the top 200 of the fucking site. She had a clean fucking fucking
0: house. Fabulous fucking week.
2: Yeah, she was cleaning house. I, on the other hand, was able to pick people, just couldn't pick fucking rounds or methods for shit. Yeah, the picks were great. And
0: (laughs) what's funny is between you up to Christian, everybody
2: had eight picks, correct? Yeah, I was going to say, this is another week where our worst, I say in air quotes, person in the group. Still had like 75% correct picks. Yeah. Like the totally. worst in our group was almost fucking 80% accurate on their guesses. Nobody guessing, so. really had a bad week. So
0: yeah. even though Christian does get the trip over your dick prize this week, I can't rag on him because really his picks were fucking solid. It's not a – it wasn't a bad showing by anybody. Out of our group, seven correct was the lowest. 10 was the highest. So to be quite honest, there's only a three pick difference there. That's not a wide fucking margin. You come join this group. There's going to be weeks like this. Now, don't get me wrong. There are weeks where somebody will obviously trip over their dick, run it over with the car back over it with the trailer and then start to some bitch on fire. Cause they can't make a goddamn pick. But this week was not one of those weeks. Everything was nice and tight and fantastic to see. In fact, I got one more pick right than Christian. And just because of a couple of my picks and the fucking my one perfect in there, I beat him by 10 points. Had I not gotten that fucking perfect or one of my decisions, I would have been fucking behind him. Either way, so fucking tight running the whole way across the board and hell of a showing this week, team. Hell of a showing.
1: Uh, Got to okay. make the correction. You keep saying my fucking name it was Vincent's ass and tripped over his dick, not me.
0: Uh, sorry, <laughs> Vinny Christian. I fucking shit up, but are,
1: <laughs> you know what? You're I'm guilty not by ass- the fall for his ass.
0: Fuck that. You're guilty by association. <laughs> so yes, either way. And besides, I keep looking in your direction because I know he's sleeping behind you. But I keep seeing your name on the fucking screen. You need to put Christian and Vinny on there. So that way I have something to disseminate the two between. Would make my life a lot easier. That's all I'm saying. We're doing this shit live. And it's okay if I throw you under the bus. I still got love for you. Now, um, with all that being said and the fuckery and two weeks off, totally fucking everything up here. We're going to move on really quickly. So that way we can get past this fuckery. Um, This week... The UFC has managed to do it again, as far as betting odds are concerned. And also, um this odd, si- odd site, they need to update their shit, because they still have the card listed as Hermanson versus Allen, which is no longer the fucking case. But either way, they do have the rest of the fights on there to include Jim Miller's most updated fight here with Butler. So they've got all of that correct, they just have the name of the card fucking wrong. But across the board, everything is pretty much flippums except for one, which is, is still kind of close to a flippum, but I, I will give this the widest mar- widest odds on the card. And we're going to call it the main event of the fucking undercard. The main event of the fucking undercard has the widest odds in being Jamie Malarkey and Muhammad and Um, They have Malarkey. At a plus 270 underdog, and Muhammad at a minus 325 favorite. That is the widest margin on the entire fucking card, which is absolutely batshit crazy. That there's only one of those, and that's really not that wide of a margin when you're looking betting odds-wise. Um, either the UFC is something doing something really fucking crazy in making sure they're aligning stuff with betting odds now. After the fuckery that has been going on and still being looked into. Um, I really think it has something to do with that because it costed tons of people, lots of money and so on and so forth. But we're not getting a lot of those crazy plus 1600 underdogs, plus minus 2000 favorite type fights lately. Um, most everything has been pretty even across the board. Um even with Jim Miller's newest fight on there, they've got a current odds of Miller being a minus two forty five favorite and Butler being a plus one ninety five underdog. Which, to be honest, I think those odds are a little fuckered. But hey, that could have been the one where shit would have went all skewed and wonky. But then again, seems to be a lot of those bookies are trying to make their bets a lot safer because um it's. It didn't do many favors before when they were given wide margins. So, uh, at least now you know what's going on there. Coin flips across the board. If you're gonna bet on one fight, um, as much as I hate to say this and it hurts me, bet on bet on Jimmy Malarkey or Jamie Malarkey. Jesus Christ, can't talk, can't call names today. Whatever. Bet on Jamie Malarkey. He's a plus two seventy underdog. He's the best fucking odds you have to make money. And to be honest, he's got a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. That's all I'm saying. i Deb yeah, just going to bring it down for odds this week. Um, I we said at the beginning of the segment, if you have not joined, please come join us over on the I'm No Bookie group or group 965 on Tapology. We go through the shit week in and week out, except we're on weeks off. And then when we come back, shit sounds all sorts of fucked up, especially when you've had a really long day dealing with a lot of little fucking screaming shit children. Anyhow. We will kick it on back to later whenever he gets back. Oh, and he's back, so we'll kick it on back over to him. Join the group, so we can talk shit about you, or you can talk shit about me in the way that um I can't keep up after having
2: him
0: away for two fucking weeks,
2: you know. either way. Anyway. Thank you very much for that, sir. Very appreciated. Uh, yeah, absolutely. If you guys enjoy what we do, I absolutely encourage you, head on over to Tabology, make a free account, join the group, Let us know who the fuck you are. Get your picks in. It's fun competition head-to-head every week. That being said, though, leading into this weekend, we have got, like I said earlier, there's fights. There's lots of fights. Uh, If you need to start your whistle getting wet early enough, tomorrow evening, Friday, starting at 8 p.m. Central Time, Cage Warriors 155 from San Diego. Very interesting for them to be coming over cage, excuse me, coming over stateside cage warriors traditionally over in the UK. There are going to be several recognizable names, not obviously top level names because it's still a a B-tier promotion as it were. But there are going to be several notable names for folks to recognize on that card tomorrow night. Should be some interesting matchups. Kicking off bright and early at 11 a.m., central time saturday morning ksw 83 coliseum two they are bringing the madness back to a fucking stadium again that crazy fucking polis organization always does giant shows when they do shit like this there's going to be interesting matchups on that one for sure i'm telling you now and then for some reason going head-to-head with the UFC Saturday night, kicking off at 8 p.m. Central Time to the 9 p.m. Central Time main card of the UFC, LFA 159, Bellotto versus Dos Santos. Uh, This is another one of those where there will be a couple of names that some folks might recognize, but for the most part, this is another B-tier feeder organization, if you will, for the UFC. This is more of if you need something to rewatch later on, or for some reason, the UFC is not available where you are at the time that it is being broadcast, but this is, you can still watch LFA and get fights in and then catch the UFC replay later or vice versa, however you want to do it. There are more fights to watch that being said saturday night kicking off at 5 p.m central time for the start of the prelims ufc fight night vegas 74 cara france versus albazi officially goes down our hangover pre-hangover to canadia if you will next week being ufc 289 i think uh up there in Vancouver. But this weekend, we have got Kai Kara France and Amir Elbazi in the first non title fight flyweight main event since 2016 for the UFC. This is legitimately a big deal. Now, I'm kind of split on this because, on one hand, I agree this is a big fight, on the other hand, this shouldn't be. A big fight. Amir al basi has in no fucking way earned his spot to fight kara France for title contentionship, which is realistically what this fight is going to be about. That being said, there's a whole smattering of interesting things on this card to talk about here. So first and foremost, gentlemen, uh, as we like to do around here, uh, I am curious the one fight for each of you that might be flying under the radar—the one fight that you are absolutely excited about in this mediocre puddle of fight announcements that we've got for Saturday—which one gets you guys actually excited?
0: Look at that—he updated it and fixed his shit. All right, Vinny, you—I got it for. Him. oh you fixed it for him all right good (laughs) i like it anyhow um no i think to be honest the fight that i'm actually which sounds really fucking weird to say this i'm excited for the light heavyweights i want to see that opening fight between philip lens and max grishan there's something about light heavyweights that i've always liked because They're not complete walrus slap fights a lot of the time, so we can get something out of it. And to be honest, they're going to be fucking much better than the fucking heavyweights in Arlovsky and Dante Mays. Because, you know, well, that's a dead fucking giveaway. So we got to go to our next heaviest weight class to get something great. What I'll say is going to be better in that, oh shit, somebody might be leaving the cage area, you know. Not saying that either one of them are world breakers, though. That's for sure.
1: So, for me, I'm going to go with what I touched on in uh, my contender segment, Kareem Silver versus Ketlin Susan. You know, this ladies' fight, I feel like, isn't being talked about worth shit. Both of the ladies are you know, just entering into the UFC, granted, but this should be talked about. Both of these ladies are fucking pretty fantastic in their striking capabilities and their power for 125-pound women. It's going to be a fantastic fight. It's a great matchup. Susan's making her debut. You know, it's the second fight for Kareem Silva. I'm excited as hell for this. Definitely haven't heard shit from any media source or anything about this fight this weekend. which uh, How else do you hype up prospects? That's kind of why I enjoy talking about them and shit. How do you hype up prospects and get anybody interested in them if nobody's talking about them, especially when they're actually decent and they have potential? You know, this is one of the fights I'm the most excited about. I feel like flying under the, the radar a little bit
2: yeah i i agree completely i i'm very excited about that fight myself uh we talked about it a couple times that's one of the more exciting fights on this card for me um for my pick though i'm going low-hanging fruit i don't give a shit uh the one fight that i am legitimately most excited about on this whole fucking card is jim fucking miller versus jesse butler and honestly i I hope Jesse Butler comes out and makes it a goddamn fight because as of right now, the world is giving him zero chance. I'm not completely writing him off. I have 99.9% confidence in Jim Miller, but Jesse Butler is an unknown. He's a guy making his debut on two days notice against the dude who holds the record for the most fights in the organization. Full stop. End of sentence. That's a rough thing to walk into for anybody. So I'm curious how Butler's going to come out and handle this because we know what Miller is capable of. And if you've been following his social, he's fired up. He doesn't give a fuck who's standing across from him. He's training to fight. He's not training for an opponent. He's training for a fight and he's fucking ready. So I'm curious how this one's going to shake loose. That being said, though, uh, flip that coin over as we like to do around here uh, on every card, regardless of how great it is. There is always one fight that just gets rambled on and on and on about. And generally, at least in my opinion, doesn't deserve a second of the hype that it's getting. So I'm curious if we have one of those for you gentlemen on this card, because I know we got a lot of mediocrity, but I'm curious if there's one that's just getting overhyped for you guys on this one as well.
0: No, oh, immediately low-hanging fruit. I'm just going for it. Fuck, the, fuck it. Low-hanging fruit, Andrei Arlovsky, Dante me. Every time Orlovsky gets a fight, the media goes fucking crazy. They really need to stop. They need to treat him as if he's just Joe Schmo off the street at this point. And I fucking hate to say that, because what that man did in his prime at Heavier was fucking amazing. But we're... Fuck... It feels like 15 years removed. I know fucking... Well, I know it's not been that long, but it fucking feels like that we're 15 years removed from his fucking prime, and they need to stop acting like he's the world breaker, because he's no longer that guy. Don't get me wrong, there was a point at some point in his career where he would come in, show off that mouthpiece with the fucking pointed teeth, and that could legitimately scare the fuck out of people. Now... You may as well round those bastards off and put little smiley faces on all of them because that's about all you're getting. We're getting pretty goddamn close to that sound LV point of the career where we really need to start rethinking. Is he really Hall of Fame material? Not knowing when to hang him up. That's a big fucking blemish on the record. That's all I'm saying. Yeah,
2: that's for damn sure.
1: So I've got to agree with Golf T there. I've got to go with the low-hanging fruit. To me, it's the only fruit to take this week in the sense of like an overhyped fight being talked about too much. Most of the fights on the card haven't been talked about because they don't deserve to be talked about. But I already mentioned the one that I feel like is being, you know, overlooked. Our loss, our, for, like Golf T said, for whatever reason, the media just creams their panties over Ovalovsky, even though the dude's about to be 45 years old. and He's been too far gone. Even if he had himself a nice little win streak there for a minute before he just took that loss, it's still, his time's coming. and gone. He's not what he used to be, and a lot of guys, especially in the fight game, You know, do them some good to just understand, hey, I don't have it the same way I used to have it, let me get out of here, you know. Save yourself some uh, further life damage and uh, enjoy your later years a little bit more, I think. Yeah, I definitely don't think this fight's worth a damn. It's going to be that walrus slap fight, if anything, or just a bear-hugging match, it's definitely been
2: talked about a little too much this week. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with both of you here. That's uh, it, it is low hanging fruit, but it is the most obvious fucking fruit there is. It's I a hundred percent agree with what TJ said. There, Anytime time Andrej name is attached to a card and the contract is signed, and we know that he's he's on board for it. The vast majority of MMA journalists just start fucking openly salivating and drooling all over it. And I don't get why I can't even count how many times now we've had a show where we've talked about Andre Arlovsky being on a card and hoped against hope that this is the fight where he just gets knocked the fuck out and wakes up staring at the Raptors and takes his gloves off. Because we've been watching him that long. We've seen him go from a nobody to a world breaker to a nobody to a sad drug out old carcass that they're using just for his name at this point. Because I honestly don't remember the last time Andre Arlovsky had a win that was worth getting excited about. Something where he didn't go to a decision or win by the other guy fucking gassing out or just something sad. So uh, I absolutely agree with both you guys on that point for sure. My pick for this week, though, is a little on the opposite side, though, of what golfy was going after a minute ago here. The one that I think is actually overhyped for this week is the opening fight, the Felipe Lenz versus Max Grishin fight, mainly being... We've seen what Felipe Lenz was capable of at heavyweight, and it was fucking pathetic. All the hype that he came in with went right out the goddamn window when he shit his pants and walked around in that diaper just living in the stink. Now, all of a sudden, because he's cut 35 pounds off and he's coming in at light heavyweight, we're supposed to get excited about a new Felipe Lenz, I say with air quotes for those listening? no. No. Until you give me a reason to get excited about something that you're capable of doing, I'm not going to get excited about something you're capable of doing when I've seen you shit your pants and walk around in it like we have with Felipe Lens, And I've got nothing against Max Grishin, but I can't remember the last time I saw his name on a fight card and went, ooh, this will be good. Opening the card, I think there's better fights. I think the next fight down, I think Damon Blackshear with the fucking hype that that dude's been carrying around. That could have been a fight to get that card opened up and and get excited about. But a dude who shit the bed at heavyweight coming down to try and resurge his lackluster career at light heavyweight and get my dick moving. Sorry, fella. (laughs) That being said, though, uh, we have got a very interesting co-main event for this weekend's card here. Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres versus Daniel Pineda. Pineda's shown, excuse me, some glimpses of potential here. I don't know anything really that's gotten me excited about him too much, though. But like TJ mentioned earlier, it seems like the longer in the tooth Caceres gets, It seems like he's finally understood that he doesn't have to rush into everything, that he can slow down and be a little more methodical, a little more intentional about his actions, and his fight IQ has seemed to develop a little bit with it. I think this is going to be a great fucking fight. How do you gentlemen think this one's going to end up playing out?
1: I'm excited as hell for this one. The main reason, Daniel Pineda, 28 wins, all of them come by finish. So, I mean, somebody in my eyes is getting finished, but like you just mentioned about Bruce Leroy, I feel like he's just kind of coming into himself. He's kind of in that fighter's prime, you know, only 34 years old, he's already had 26 fights in the UFC, which is fucking insane. Yeah, He's just going to keep it going, in my opinion. knocking out Julian Arosa in his last fight, he... Had a five-fight winning streak before that loss to Sadiq Yusuf. I feel like he's going to work his way back up at the contendership, like golf. He t- said earlier in the podcast as well. As I would probably say, second round. It's going to be a little bit of an exciting start to the fucking fight. Go a little back and forth, and get a little fun striking match. And uh, I, th- I think Bruce Leroy is going to come out on top put his ass out in the second round, or maybe even hop on his back or something, get a sink in a choke. We know he's definitely got the grappling game. I would definitely say Bruce Lee, he's got the grappling game. So, one way or another, going on Alex Corsaris this weekend. I'm 100% inclined to agree with that. I...
0: Not that Daniel Pineda is bad, but there's nothing about him that stands out enough to think that um, he's going to off Alex Caceres in the way that Alex Caceres has looked recently. Uh, there was a small lull in his career there. Well, it was... Actually, I'm not gonna lie. Caceres did have a pretty big lull for a while. But he managed to pull himself out of it, and he's looked pretty goddamn good And he said, minus the Super Siddiqui, which... Look, superseding. That's kind of a fucking tough one to pull anyways. Pineda, on the other hand, yes, he gets a lot of finishes when he wins. But he also gets finished when he loses. Or can't continues. I mean, he got put out by fucking Cub Swanson, for Christ's sakes. I like Cub Swanson, but it was Cub Swanson very long in the tooth of Cub Swanson. Yeah, it was a weird fight. (laughs) so i have to say i think saris gets the job done and i think with the stand-up that we know saris has if i don't see it going any other way than knockout. Right? he
2: will get him out of there before the third interesting interesting i, I agree on both sides here um I think Pineda, like I said, he's shown some glimpses of, of genuine potential. Like, he's there's there's something there. It might just be that he needed to round off a couple of corners and let that fucking light shine through, but there, there's definitely something there. On the other hand, Bruce Leroy, man, that, again, that Super Sadiq fight, I, I'm as close to saying that's a one-off as you can call it. We've seen Sadiq, like, we've been fans – a Super Sadiq on this show for a hot fucking minute. There's nothing to bash it about that. But we've also seen Sadiq slip up a couple times recently, and I don't know that that was his best performance against Pineda, despite getting the right result. Now, we look on the other side here. Bruce Leroy is just a fucking world breaker at this point. He has never really fell off. He had that the minimal slip up there, but... Five in a row, getting to that point, and ever since then, just getting right back on the fucking horse, being competent as all get-out, and like we've mentioned, that fight IQ just developing at exponential fucking rate. You can see him reading his opponent during the fight. I I like Pineda. I don't have anything against him. I have a hard time seeing where he gets the edge against Caceres in this one, but Unlike TJ, I think this one is going to be a little bit more different because we know that Pineda has a proclivity to to lean in when he throws a looping punch. And Caceres, though he is a great fucking striker and a great kickboxer at that, he's been working more and more lately on his submission game. And if we've seen anything, it's when a dude throws that arm way out That whole neck area gets real fucking exposed. And Bruce Leroy, for the kickboxing badass that he is, is getting real slick with his submissions. And I feel like Pineda just leaves his neck so exposed in the way that he fights. I think Leroy might wrap him the fuck up. I don't think this one goes to a decision. I think Bruce Leroy wraps him up before the end of the third.
0: Ooh, That's a brave call, sir. I like it.
2: I. I'm telling you, man, Bruce, Bruce Leroy, I'm not saying he's the next fucking champion, but I'm saying that dude's got a fire that you can't fucking put out. And he's here to kick ass and take names, and I'm I'm with it. <laughs> I like it.
0: Yeah. It, to be honest, it, with the route that we've seen him on, minus that one little setback there recently. Yep. I, I honestly see him. There's there's a distinct possibility that we may see him get a title shot at some point.
2: I wouldn't be opposed to it. Definitely has the credentials to deserve it. Meritocracy is on his favor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, But that being said, that will bring us to the marquee of the weekend. The name on the poster, the funny looking face they put there against the Kiwi. Kayakara France versus Amir al-Bazi. Like we mentioned earlier, the first non-title flyweight main event for the UFC in seven years. And it's an interesting one. It's, It's a very interesting one. There is potential for some craziness here. So I'm curious, gentlemen, how do you think the battle of the little guys in our main event plays out?
0: This one, I have a fucking hard time with this one, Uh, namely because, let's put it this way, Kaikoumar Front has fought a lot of, I'll say, the who's who of the flyweight division, but he's also lost to some guys that are not the who's who of the division. And I'm not taking into account his last fight where he just got fucking knocked out by the champ. He had his chance at the title. Unfortunately, he got knocked the fuck out. Now, across Amir Obazi, unfortunately, Amir, for him, he has not fought the who's who. Yeah, he's got a Figueiredo on his record, but not the Figueiredo you want on your record as a W you got the off-brand Figueiredo is what I'll call it um, but he's looked solid in all of his outings I think he we could see him give Car France a good run for his money now I'm not saying that that's going to happen because Car France is very well rounded otherwise he would have never made it to that chance to get a title shot but Amir also hasn't done anything that says I am top fucking five material yet either which is why he's still sitting with that 7 rank. But even with the guys he has fought, I'm trying to figure out how they've given him a 7 rank. Think you get decision Zhumagulov. you fucking you subbed uh, off-brand Figgy, and you beat a fucking Costa with a KO. Like The guy can finish people, but of those names, are any of them worthy of saying, yeah, that dude deserves to be Right at the fucking top of the heap. I think not. But every dog has his day. Here's his chance to prove that he does deserve to be there. You're finally getting a fighter that is worthwhile and gives you a reason to say, yeah, we need to pay attention to him. I'm not calling Bazi anything fucking bad because he's obviously not. He hasn't fucking lost a fight since he's come into the UFC in 2020. So... Give him a a shot at five. At the top five, I don't think he gets it done. I think Harakar France fucking gets him via decision. I don't think we're going to see him finish him, but I think he's going to decision him just because of, well, he's got way more fights in the UFC. He's been under the lights in the main events before. I think it's going to come down to just the actual fights inside the UFC under the big lights, the first five round fight that we're gonna see from Mombazi. I, I think we see five rounds. It's gonna be interesting, but I think Car France walks away with it via decision.
1: I gotta agree with golf T on this one here. I totally feel like it's a questionable thing for both guys. Like, how good really are either one of them? How good is Kai? How good is Elbaz? They both have the potential to be contenders and maybe push towards the title. But really, how good are they? And I feel like this is kind of the test fight. I do feel like it's as well a big fight. Most of the time, the flyweight fights don't go to the distance, so if you're a betting fan, you know, like I would put some money that this doesn't go past the third round more likely than not, we're probably going to see a finish. I'm leaning more towards Kai getting that finish. I feel like he's the striker, right? He's got the striking capabilities. Albazi's probably going to come in with grappling game plan. It's going to be that kind of matchup, in my opinion. Really, I would be surprised if we see Albazi try to stand trade and strike with Kaikara France. I feel like Kai could easily just piece him up and have his way with him. The experience I feel like is definitely going to show this weekend. and um, That's the biggest thing for Al He's looked good since he got in the UFC, but it's just a huge step up. He hasn't fought any big names. Probably the guy that we like the most here on the pod, the best name is Salgasuma Gulov. That's one of his four wins. I mean, he's a tough-ass dude. Not what you would consider top 15 guys right outside of the top 15. So the fact that you're beating guys that probably shouldn't even be ranked and then, like TJ said, this guy's ranked number seven and then being pushed up towards the top five, extremely questionable, but – We'll see how it goes. You're getting your opportunity, just like T.J. said. You know, life gives you lemons. We'll see if you make lemonade or you shit your pants, like Meter said earlier, too. You just shit your pants and walk around with it because you don't know what to do with the lemons? <laughs> That's kind of what I think Albozzi's going to do. <laughs> I think shoes, pants, water red, not knowing what the
2: fuck to do. I could definitely see that for sure. So I, I say I, I agree with, with both point both of you have made great fucking points here. Um if you guys have been following this show at all, you, you may have an idea where I'm coming from. If not, put your seatbelt on. Uh I'm a petty bitch, and I bear no bones about that. That being said, for me, the biggest thing I associate with Amir al-Bazi is the fact that every single fucking time without fail, I see his picture. For some reason, my brain thinks that that's Atman Azatar. And I want to ask him what the fuck was in the bag in Abu Dhabi. That's what I think of Amir al-Bazi. I confuse him with Atman Azatar every single time fucking time I see his picture without fail without question I'm reading his name next to his picture right now and my brain's going what's in the bag nothing Amir al-Bazi has done in his fighting career has stood out so much to me a fairly hardcore self-admitted fan as the fact that I mistake him for someone else he has done nothing to stand out in his career to deserve a number seven rank, let alone to get a number seven rank and a chance to fight into the top five right now. Add to that, the fact that he has come into this week just completely and unequivocally writing off Kayakara France as if he was the flukiest fluke to ever fluke into this organization. And then add to that, that I just happened to have stumbled upon yesterday, the, Debut video of Kaya Kara France on his Ultimate Fighter debut under Team Saudo against Terence Kennedy, who stood at six one and just completely dismissed Kaya Kara France in their face-off and gave him no fucking credit. And then KKF came in and put that motherfucker on his ass left him staring at Raptors going, what? And I expect a very, very similar result this weekend. I don't see anything that Amir Basi has in his pocket that can surprise Kaikara France here. And knowing that he has been explicitly training more and more lately with both Alex and Izzy to make sure that he is capable in all areas he may have faltered in before, kkf is on a hunt for the belt baby and i don't think dollar store Atman zatar here is going to be able to stop him i think this is going to be a situation where he comes out thinking he's hot shit not expecting any opposition and then kai kara france gives him that one two step under book fucking right and we see a head bouncing off kansas i don't i agree 100 percent. i don't see we see yeah i don't think we see the end of a third round see words are live hard sometimes folks Uh, third round, I think, is going to be the end of this fight. I don't think we see four or five. No need for championship rounds. I think KKF takes it and then stamps himself as the next dude to get that fucking crack once the title is fought for this summer. That being said, I don't think the title fight this summer is going to be all that great, but I think The winner of this fight versus the winner of that fight could be real fun. (laughs) But that being said, that is all we have got for this particular episode. So if you enjoyed... What we get up to around here, first and foremost, thank you for tuning in, whether you are catching us live on Thursday nights on youtube.com slash I'm no Joe, or you're catching us a week later in the audio only version replayed over on anchor.fm slash I'm no Joe picked up through your podcast consumption platform of choice. We appreciate you just the same. If you like what we're doing around here, please make sure you have your notifications turned on and you're subscribed to whatever platform you're listening to this on on the other side of that if you don't like what you've been listening to first and foremost what the fuck are you still doing this deep into a podcast you didn't enjoy give it a thumbs down and then go fuck yourself we won't even dispute it that being said just because tonight is over doesn't mean the fun is over when things wrap up here you can tune in First thing tomorrow morning and just about every Friday morning, Spreaker.com slash slow bake and contemplate for that gentleman over there. Oops, over there. There we go. And the booty hog crashed out behind him in their very own podcast, the slow bake and contemplate show Uh, their links for the podcast and all of their social medias, as well as their very own channel over on the I'm no Joe discord server are all down in the description. Don't miss those gentlemen over there.
1: appreciate it and of course the fun doesn't fucking stop there once we get on into the next fucking week best day of the week hump day you gotta tune in wednesday nights about nine o'clock the brother golf Tees youtube channel golf Tea vapes tune in join the brothers learn some mixes some recipes if you vape yourself just chill have a good time show the brothers some love
0: Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, Christian. Appreciate it. Now, uh, if you didn't know, the meter does do more than just I'm no Joe. In fact, the meter does do many things. If you'd like to know all the things that the meter does do, you can click on the link below of linktree slash the meter does many things and be taken to all of the many things that the meter does do. Again, that's linktree slash the meter does many things. Surprisingly enough, I got that off, and we haven't been on in two weeks, so pat myself on the back after all of the fuckery we had in the fucking cont- topology fucking segment. I
2: said contemplate. I said contemplate. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks off didn't fuck us up that much, so that being oh, said... Man, uh, Thank you to everybody who tunes in. We appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, Keep an eye out this weekend. If fun shit cracks out throughout these fights, we will do our best to throw up some quick little live reactions for you. That being said, we will see you fine folks next week for some good old fashioned Canadian fight talk. That is all we've got for this particular episode. So remember folks until next time, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything.
0: How do I say goodbye to what we have, the good guitar- times?